Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. All right. Welcome again. If, uh, if you came in a few minutes late, uh, welcome to Vertical Church. My name is Pastor Josh. I'm the lead teaching pastor here at VC, and I just want to say one more time before we dive into the message this morning, welcome. Uh, welcome. We're so honored and so uh, excited to see you here today as we kick off this series called Let Hope In. If you like that song uh, that, the, that the band just played, uh, it's by a guy named Daniel Bashta. Um, it's a really cool song, a really cool story behind a lot of his music. I encourage you to uh, take the opportunity and check it out if you're looking for uh, some good tunes, some good uh, music. Um, I, it's a new year, right? It's 2014, and and I love it. It's it's one of my favorite times of the year because because when else are you focused and intent on um, coming up with goals and dreams and 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 pictures of the future, what you think the year might hold? You know, for whatever reason it is, when we turn the calendar, for many of us, when we switch out the calendar, or if you don't have a calendar, uh, when your phone goes to the next year, um, that would be me. Um, There's just, I don't know, there's something about it, it's like, um, it's this anticipation that we get to start with a clean slate. Now, it might be a false sense of, of anticipation, because reality says that, that just because the year changes doesn't mean that some dramatic event takes place in our lives but but for me when the when december ends and and january begins there's this sense that well things might change that this year well it might really be the year on new year's eve uh, i was sitting in my living room playing uh games playing car games and and my boys were in there Okay, I've got I've got three kids, but the youngest she doesn't do a lot of talking. She just does a lot of crying. She's eight months old. She's allowed to do that. Um, but my two boys, they're seven and four, and they're in the living room with us, and and it's getting close to midnight, and we're talking about you know what we're excited about, and and I asked them the question. I said, boys, what do you want to be when you grow up? So we ask that question periodically, and. The, the answer changes from time to time. It'll go from, you know, Lex will say a variety of things, usually ending with, I don't want to go to college, which I don't know where he, he's seven. I don't know where he got this idea that he has to go to college. He's seven. Are they hitting him with that in first grade or second grade? I don't know, probably. Yes. Um, but he says, I don't want to go to college. I'm going to live at home forever. Oh, you're not. Um, hey, buddy, you're with us. He's not feeling well today. He's in the balcony. Hey, buddy. Um, but his younger brother, Cole, who's four, Cole is, he's a funny kid. I said, Cole, what do you want to be when you grow up? He said, I don't know. What do you want to be when you grow up? I said, well, buddy, I'm already doing what I want to do. Like, this is what I want to do. I want to be a pastor. I want to, I want to teach and, and preach and tell people about Jesus and, and, and encourage them and give them hope. I'm already doing what I want to do. And he said, you want to be an old man? 
If you know my son, he said it in that, in that voice that was just so stinking cute that you cannot be frustrated with him, but many of us are hopeful about the future. Whether, whether you want to be something different or whether you want to be an old man. We're hopeful. We're excited. We, we carry our dreams into a new year believing that this year is going to be the year that our dreams are realized. We, we go into a new year believing that, that tomorrow is, is going to be better than today. We, we believe that, that our career is going to head in the right direction. Our relationships are going to grow deeper. And that, that purpose that we've been chasing after, that we've been pursuing, well, we're finally in this new year, we're going to realize it. A lot of us are hopeful and excited, but yet there's one thing, I think, that oftentimes will stand in our way from realizing this, this, this desirable future that we all dream up. And, and I think it's something that we can all relate to. And, and it's real simple. It's, it's just your past. You see, because just because the year changed doesn't mean your past changed. And the reality is, is that the best predictor of what you're going to do in the future is, in fact, what you did in the past. What we have done is probably what we're going to do again, unless there is some sort of dramatic, life-altering, transformational change that takes place in our lives. The odds are, no matter how excited you and I are about going into a new year, odds are this year probably not going to look tremendously different than last year. And so what I want to do is I want to start this off with a question. Like I asked my kids and like they asked me, I want to ask you, but, but I'm going to change it a little bit. Not so much what are you going to be when you grow up, but but you're already growing up. And do you like who you're becoming? Do you, I want you to just rhetorically ask yourself that question. Do you like who you're becoming? Who you are growing up to be? You know, the interesting thing about us humans is that it seems like we are hardwired to replay the past. It seems like that especially when the past includes pain or disappointment, that we will replay that time and time again, and it will begin to impact our present. Even though it's our past, it will impact our present. And here's the truth about your past. Your past is not your past if it's still impacting your present. As a matter of fact, that's one of the first uh, notes on your on the back of your program, if you're taking notes today, which I encourage you to take notes because it's like 87% more likely to go to heaven when you die if you take notes in church, okay? Uh, take notes. You, there's, there's fill in the blanks. It's real easy, but you're not going to be tested on it. Uh, we're not going to have a pop quiz or anything. Your past, it's not really your past if it's still impacting your present. You ever wonder why when we go into a new year, we make a handful of resolutions, don't we? Like, I'm going to do this in this. I resolve to 
be a better blank. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work harder. I'm not going to slack off as much. I'm going to be a better dad. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a better wife or a better husband. Or I'm going to lose weight. But look, it's January the 5th. Let's all give ourselves the gift of honesty this morning. If you made a resolution, I bet you every dollar in my wallet you've already broken it. Right? You've already like gorged yourself on a plate of cookies trying to lose 20 pounds. You ain't lost 20 pounds. You gained a pound. You're going the wrong direction. I resolved to be a better husband and, and I've already fought with my wife. What's the deal? What's up with that? Like we, we resolve to make these changes and yet what we find ourselves doing is repeating the same mistakes we made yesterday. And so we, we begin asking ourselves, what's wrong? What's wrong with me? Am I not focused enough? Am I not disciplined enough? Do I not want it bad enough? Am I not on the right strategy? Do I not know how to change? I think, I think the real question that we, that we would find lying underneath all of our failed attempts to change something about our life is, is, is what am I still carrying around from my past that's impacting my present. It might be, for you, it might be pain on the surface. It might be pain buried deep, deep down into your heart. But whatever it is, it's still crippling us. It's still crippling you. It's still crippling me from becoming who God created us to be. But there's good news. If you're taking notes, there's good news. The good news is that who we were yesterday doesn't have to limit who we can be today. Look, there's hope. There is hope. Who you were yesterday does not have to limit who you can be today. And it doesn't have to limit who you can become tomorrow. It doesn't have to. You know, many of the most popular messages that we've done here at at Vertical Church have been about this idea of change. We preach about it a lot because we believe that in God, change is possible. And so we talk about it and and people get inspired and many of us have been inspired to change and yet when we look at our lives months after we have resolved to change, we discover that really we've just failed miserably at our attempt. The problem wasn't inspiration. I think the problem is motivation, but let me, let, me, let me share why I think it's motivation. It's not that I don't think you want it bad enough. I think your want to is broken. I think your want to is broken, and what we all need to experience is the healing presence of Jesus to, to heal our want to. Like, like another way of putting it, I don't, I don't think many of us are whole enough and healthy enough on the inside to make the change that we want to make something broken, something off, something that needs fixed. And only Jesus can do that. Next few weeks, what I want to do is I want to share four choices. Four choices that you can make in 2014 that that will set you up to begin living like you've always wanted to live, that will make this year be an unforgettable year, that, that the change that you hope takes place, the resolutions that you hope you, you fulfill, the, the, the vision that you hope you see, the purpose that you hope 
is realize, I believe these four choices will get you on the road to seeing all of that happen. And the first one is this. If you don't learn to transform the pain, you'll just transfer. If you don't learn to transform the pain, then you'll end up just transferring it, oftentimes to those who are closest to you. You know what I've discovered? I've discovered as a pastor, everyone needs healing. Like we all need healing. We've all been hurt. We've all been wounded. We've all been bruised. Look, some of us, it's been more difficult. Some of us, it's been harder than others. But nobody escapes this life without some emotional bruising, without some physical wounds. We all are hurting. And if we don't deal with the hurt from our past, it just creeps its head into our present and alters our future. I'll give you a few examples. I'm not, I'm not logging into anybody's Gmail. I'm not hacking anybody's Facebook. But some of us, well, we've got secret sins that nobody knows about. And as hard as we try, we, we try to push them and lock them in a closet. And, and as, as difficult as we make it for that, that secret to get out, every now and then it peeks its head out the door shows its ugly face. Some of us, there, there, those of you in the room, you've gone through a broken marriage. And you thought, surely in all of these years later, I would be over this. And yet, it's still impacting your presence. Some of you in the room, when you were a kid, you, you experienced an unfortunate and and terrible experience of abuse. Maybe it was a, an adult family member and they abused you sexually or physically. You thought, I was a kid when that happened. No way that's affecting me now. And yet, that thing from your past that you're trying to forget, that, that you're trying to act like never happened. Maybe, maybe you got bullied in school and those years were miserable and you think, I'm, I'm a grown man, I'm a grown woman. There's, why am I still affected? I was in middle school when that happened. Why? Look, if we don't transform the pain from the past, we end up transferring it. If, if we don't find ways to learn and change and transform, then we're just doomed to live in the cycle of pain and hurt. Maybe, maybe, in fact, your pain is not in your past. Maybe it's still an open wound. Maybe you walked in to this theater today carrying around open wounds that have been ripped open for, 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 a, for years or, or months or, or, or decades even. Listen, the easy solution for you is denial. Didn't happen. I'm just going to bury all of my emotion. I'm just going to push it down. I'm going to, I'm going to shove it into the darkest recesses of my heart. I'm going to deadbolt the door, lock the lock. I'm going to put, I'm going to put a master lock on top of the deadbolt so it never gets out. And then I'm going to go to church. 
and I'm going to read my Bible, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to put my best foot forward. I'm going to put my mask on and, and tell it, I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm going to wear my mask. I'm going to look happy. Isn't that what we, isn't that oftentimes what church is? Walk in. Let's all be fake. Let's all, let's all wear our masks of, of security and masks of confidence and, and masks of I've got it all under control when the reality is our past is about to break out of our closet. And yet we won't let anybody see. How, how did church become this? Like, that's not what church is. Look, if, if you're coming back to church for the first time, look, that's not who we are. At Vertical Church, man, we're not, we're not like that. We're like, man, come in, ask your questions, have your doubts, tell us about your, your pain and your hurt, and we're going to give you a hug. We can't promise we'll fix it, but we know a God who can. All I can do is promise that I won't run away from it all I got. Nothing. No amount of brokenness. No amount of, of, of abuse. No, whether you're the victim or the victimizer. See, sin hits both sides. And yet, we lock it away. I think, I think it happens because of fear. I think, I, I, I really do. I think it's, I think it's a fear thing. I think I think we're so scared that either we won't have the answers or we're scared that God cannot, in fact, heal us. That Maybe He can heal other people, but, but if we admit that we're still hurting and still broken, maybe God, maybe God won't heal me. Or maybe we're afraid that, that, that if we admit that, somehow, somehow it discounts our, our salvation, like, like, I gave my life to Jesus. Why don't I feel different now? Why isn't my life changed? Why don't I feel new? Why do I still struggle with the same temptation? I, I asked Jesus to come in my heart, like Tinkerbell, whatever that means. Supposed to be new, supposed to be different. The, the preacher said I was going to leave changed, but I don't feel changed. And I'm afraid to admit it because I'm not sure if salvation is for me. And if I admit that I'm still struggling, if I admit that I've still got pain and, and hurt from the past, if I admit that all of that didn't just get glossed over when I gave my life to Jesus, maybe, maybe when I gave Him my life, He didn't take it. Maybe He doesn't want me, and I don't think I can handle that. Rejection. You know who one of my favorite characters in the Bible is? Joseph. Joseph. I love, like Joseph from the Old Testament, the book of Genesis. Now there's a guy who's got a past. Joseph. Crazy past. Terrible past. I mean, think about this guy. He was born the youngest of a bunch of brothers for a while. Yeah, eventually he had a brother that was younger than him, but for years he was the youngest. And, and look, I don't know if you grew up in a family with siblings, but I did. I had an older brother. I know what it's like to be the younger brother. There are episodes where your head gets pushed in the toilet and flushed, right? You get, you get stuffed in a garbage can because you're little. It's not fun being a younger brother. 
you get picked on, you get roughed up, your older brothers beat you down, teach you a lesson. It's all part of being, a, you know, part of your family dynamic, I guess. I don't know. I had, I had an older brother and a bunch of older cousins. But the, the desire of my heart was to be in the middle of whatever they were doing. You playing basketball? I want to play basketball. You play in this weird wall ball game where we throw tennis balls at each other's head? I want to play. Mom, I don't know why I can't go to school today. I wanted to be in the middle of all the action. And the thing that would have made me the happiest is if my older brother would invite me to be part of his world. When he would offer an invitation for me to do whatever he was doing, that was the highlight of my week. Joseph. Genesis chapter 37 tells us that, that Joseph is favored by his father. His father plays favorites. You know that went well. Joseph's got a slew of older brothers and daddy plays favorites. I'm sure Joseph endured a tremendous amount of teasing and roughhousing and didn't have... Toilets back then, but maybe he got his head stuffed in an outhouse. I don't know. I don't know how they, I don't know how they, they, they razzed younger brothers back in those days. But I do know that Joseph's brothers were filled with jealousy. And they sold him into slavery. They, they, they captured him one day and threw him in a, in a hole, in a pit. And then some slave traders came by and they sold their younger brother into the slave trade. I don't... I don't know what it's like to look up from a hole and the people that you long to accept you the most are laughing at you as they sell you to a life slavery. I imagine that's pretty devastating to a, to a, to a person's psyche. When you look into the... See, it's one thing for someone to tell you I don't love you. It's another thing to look up from a hole and see I don't love you written on their face. Joseph. The, 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 the abuse, the neglect, the betrayal. Devastating. And that's just the beginning of his story. In Genesis chapter 39, he sold into slavery to a guy named Potiphar. Potiphar worked for Pharaoh in Egypt, the, the leader of all of, of, the, of the Egyptian empire, Egyptian kingdoms, Pharaoh and Potiphar works for him. And Joseph goes and he's his slave. Look at this, verse 6 of chapter 39. If you have a Bible, flip there real quick. If not, it's right on the screen behind me. Verse 6, so Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome, a good-looking guy. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. This is the original episode of Desperate Housewives. ABC ain't got nothing on this story. But he refused. He said, with me in charge... My master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. 
No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, and, and though she, he, she, she, she would meet him wearing skimpy clothes as he tried to clean up, no matter how much temptation he endured, it says he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Joseph doing the right thing. Joseph is a good man. He's a holy man. He's making the right choices. Look, maybe you walked in this room and you've made all the right choices. 2013, you made every right choice that you could make and yet you still find yourself in the situation that Joseph's about to be in. Look at this, verse 11. One day he went into the house to attend his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by, the, by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. He, he dropped his cloak and ran. Not anywhere near you, woman. Crazy. Get off of me. Verse 13, when she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. Liar. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. Now, Joe is framed. Like he went from just being sold into slavery by the people he loved the most, and now he finds himself in a situation that he's made the very best of it that he could. He's still a slave. He's still not free, but he's 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 come up in the ranks, and now he's in charge of Potiphar's house and making all the right choices. Bam! This happens. And he gets sentenced to prison for the exact thing that he had the willpower and self-control not to do. Isn't this the part of the story when you throw up your hands and say, what's the point? Why do I even try? I'm trying to, why do I pray? Why do I do everything that I think is right? What's the point of all this? What's the point of knowing Jesus? What's the point of serving God? Give up. Nothing turning out right for me. And for years, he's just forgotten about in prison. Just left to sit there. Wonder what went wrong. Why? Why, why, Potiphar, why didn't you believe me? Why didn't you trust me? But even more than that, I would have never been in that stinking house with that desperate housewife had my brothers not betrayed me. If anybody has a past that's still impacting their present, it's Joe. He's in prison with no hope of getting out. And he can trace it all back to his brother's betrayal. And if you've seen the prince of Egypt, you know that Joseph gets out. You know that he gets released. And eventually Joseph, he, he did it in Potiphar's house. Now he does it with Pharaoh. He rises up 
and becomes, becomes second in command of all of Egypt. It's amazing. Miracle. God transforms everything, changes his whole destiny. He, he alters the course of his life. At the same time, because of the very reason he was able to ascend like that is a drought was about to strike Egypt, and he had the strategy. He had, he had the plan in place to save Egypt, to save all the people. And eventually, the story goes, the drought, the famine got so severe that his brothers living at that time in a land called Canaan, they came to Egypt searching for food. And through a whole remarkable set of events, and a little bit of maybe conniving and manipulation on Joe's part, but we'll forgive him for that. Um, he, he, he's reunited with his brothers. Now, what do you think he's going to say? Don't you know what you caused me? Don't you know the pain that I had to endure because of what you did? I was a slave. I was in prison. How dare you? You can go hungry for all I care. Starve to death. That's what I would say. About you? Look what happens. Genesis chapter 50. This is, this is Joseph talking to his brothers. They try to apologize, and look what he says. He says, You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In other words, he says, Look, you meant harm. You tried to hurt me. That was your intention, but God had a different plan. Joseph isn't denying his past. He's not looking at his brothers and saying, oh, it wasn't that bad. Being a slave is kind of easy. Oh, prison, you know, you three meals a day. Good. No, he's not denying it. And he's not just pretending, pretending in some kind of optimistic world that it really was okay. Like, like listen, brothers, it's a, there's, a, there's a silver lining around every cloud. No. He says, you meant evil. Your actions, your decisions, your choices, they hurt me. Everything that you did was meant to cause me harm. But God. Listen, those two words are some of the best words that you can find in Scripture. But God. It's one of my favorite phrases. It, it oftentimes marks a, a turning point, a line of demarcation between peril and rescue, between chaos and control, between failure and redemption, between hurt and healing. It's always, it's always fantastically good news. And in, in Psalm chapter 73, the psalmist says, my health may fail, my, my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 19, says, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but with God, anything is possible. In Acts chapter 13, Luke says that when they had done all that the prophecies had said about Him concerning Jesus, they took Him down from the cross and placed Him in a tomb, but God. They meant evil, but God stepped in. They meant harm, but God came 
to the rescue. They meant chaos, but God was in control. Once you and I were dead in our sins, but God made us alive. Once we were captive to our past, but God has extended His grace to us to transform us and make us free. Once you and I were unworthy of His presence, but God has decided in His goodness to spend the rest of eternity unraveling the goodness and the grace that He has stored up for you and I. But God changes everything. Listen, friend, there's no way you can change your past. You can't erase it. You can't make it different. We don't have time... God does not offer us time travel to go back and alter the events of our childhood. He doesn't offer us um, um, a quantum leap where we can go back and Scott Bakula the situation over, for those of you older in the crowd. It's impossible. Possible. It's pointless. And the goal of this series is not to become people who have no past. It's not to become people who have no history. That's that's impossible. We all walk into those doors carrying different things around from our past. The goal of this series, the goal that, that, that we have for the next few weeks is to find a new way to look at our past and to see God transform our past so that we don't transfer it into the future and have it impact our present. Committed. I'm relentlessly committed to this idea that with God, anything is possible. Anything. God can transform your life. God can transform your family. God can transform your addiction. God can transform your secret sin. God can transform your proclivity. God can transform your desires with God. Anything is possible. Healing is possible with God. And I believe, I believe there's something inside of you that that longs for, longs, longs for God to transform you into the person that that He has created you to be. I believe there's something inside of us that longs for the underdog story. Something from nothing. God who spoke into the darkness and created everything can speak into the darkness of your past and can transform everything. We believe change is possible, but only change with God. Everything can change for you. Look, there's no, there's no, there's no one that God can't use. I don't care who you are when you walked into this room. There's no one that God can't use. And there's no one whose brokenness is too broken for God. There's hope for you today. That's what I want you to hear. There's hope for you today. I hope you leave this place encouraged. I hope you leave this place believing that God can do the impossible and can transform the darkness in your heart and bring beautiful light in its place. God can do that. And many of us know this is true, especially for our friends. And yet, when we turn 
the subject on ourselves, we aren't so sure. Can he really find the innermost places of shame and regret that hide out in my heart? And can he really do something about it? I believe, as Scripture says, that God can make all things work together for the good of those who love Him. God can transform your pain so that it no longer transfers into your presence. Here's what you need to know going into a year that you hope will be different. God is more concerned with your history, or God is bigger than your history, and He's more concerned with your destiny. God is bigger than your history. God is bigger than whatever is in 2013 or 12 or 11 or 10 or 99. I don't know. God is bigger than that. And God's a lot more concerned with your future, with your destiny, with who you're going to become than who you were yesterday. God wants to forgive you. God wants to restore you. He wants to heal this pain from your past. Before I pray, I hope you'll join us for the next few weeks of this series. I really believe it's going to be life-changing and life-transforming. But if you want to go to a deeper level, here's the next step. So many people are like, well, what do I do now? Where do I go from here? I want God to transform my life. I want, to, I want God to change my life. What do I do now? For this series, we have small groups that are focused on this material to walk us each through the choices that we need to make to see God do miracles in our lives. When you leave today, out in the lobby, you can sign up for one of those small groups. And I want to be a part of a group that's going to walk with me through this stuff, that's going to help me as I, as I wrestle with these choices and I make changes in my life. And more importantly, I align myself with God so that He can make changes that I never could. I will hope that the end of this series, you're dreaming again. I hope by the end of this series, you're, you're transforming, you're holding on to the good things, and you're, you're confronting the bad things that are trying to limit your future potential. I believe God wants to transform your life. And I want to pray for you. So let me do that right now. Let's all bow our heads. Lord, we recognize, God, that you are the agent of change that Your Holy Spirit is the transforming power that we need to experience in our lives. That without You, all of this is just a bunch of rhetoric and, and optimism and humanism and do-gooder and, and try harder and, and be better. But with You, with Your Spirit in us, not only is change possible, but we can transform our past and the thing that used to limit us will actually give us a platform to help others find healing. 
Listen to me, while we're praying right now, it's totally off the cuff. Some of you in this room, there is pain and, and, and hurt in your past and God wants to heal it so that he can turn it into the platform from which you can show others the healing power of God because if he did it for you, he'll do it for them. Listen to me, God is speaking to you right now. There is, there, there's, there's about four or five of you in the room right now that God is telling you, let, let, me, let my spirit come in, let me begin to transform that pain, and I will turn it into a platform. And you will help others experience healing. There's somebody, this is going to sound real weird to this, those of us who are, who are uh, sitting in here actually in the theater. There's somebody watching, going to watch this video online. You're on Vimeo, you're sitting at your computer right now. God wants to transform your pain and turn it into a platform to bring healing to others. Listen to me. God can do it right now as you're sitting there watching this. Just invite him to come in and change the way you view and, the, and, and your perception and heal your hurt and your brokenness. Those of you that are in the room right now, God wants to heal your brokenness. He wants to heal your hurt. He wants to begin a transformational change in your life. I want to invite you to just, all over the auditorium, if that's you, would you just pray this after me? Would you just say, Lord, I invite you, I invite your spirit to come in and begin a work of transformation. I want to transform my past. I want all the hurt and the pain that's been holding me back and holding me down and I've been trapped by it, God. I invite you into the darkest recesses of my heart where you're already there. Nothing held away from you. There's no lock that can keep you out. Bring transformation to my life, Jesus. You need to, if you need to begin a relationship with Him, you can pray the same prayer. Lord, just begin a, begin a work in my life, a new work right now, Jesus. I accept you. I I ask you, Lord, to forgive my sins. Make me new again. I might not feel new when I leave, but I know I'm new because you promised it. You died for me so I could live for you. Make me new today, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God, as we continue the journey of this series, I pray, Lord, that we would make the choices to let hope in transformation would happen and we would all grow closer to you in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.